0: the Truthiverse. My name is Brendan D. Murphy. This is where we unleash truth and freedom with no holds barred, no fear, and no limits. Come and evolve beyond the matrix with me and thrive, not just survive. This is a realm of empowering, uncommon awareness. This is my Truthiverse. Hey, Brendan here, and I'm going to walk you through a COVID timeline here. Let's not waste any time. We'll get straight into it. I'm going to do a screen share here. Okay, hopefully you're seeing what I'm seeing. And we are going to walk through a proof of the pandemic being pre-planned months and years in advance. I'm going to show you that COVID-19 was known about at least as far back as 2015, whether you believe the condition is real or not. And even though I'm calling it a brief COVID timeline, it is brief in the sense that there's a lot of information I've had to leave out and I've had to be very focused here, but it's still going to be fairly comprehensive. It's going to give you some leads that you can chase up on your own time. And at the end of this, anyone with at least two brain cells to rub together is going to comprehend that we have been defrauded here, on an unbelievable scale, but for a purpose, for a much larger agenda. So COVID, even though it's a mind-boggling scam, it's only a smaller piece of the the puzzle, a smaller part of a larger scam. Okay, so here here we go, let's get straight into this. All right, so just for a little bit of context, thousands, literally thousands of doctors around the world are calling this thing a scam. We had a group of over 500 medical doctors in Germany, called Doctors for Information, who said in a press conference, the corona panic is a play. It's a scam, a swindle, it's high time. We understood that we're in the midst of a global crime. And I strongly agree, based on my own research, Doctors for Information publishes a medical newspaper with distribution in the hundreds of thousands each week, and their purpose is to correct the misinformation in the mass media. Now, in Spain, there was a group of 600 medical doctors called Doctors for Truth, who made a similar statement during a press conference, and in the US... A documentary called Plandemic has been supported by over twenty-seven thousand doctors. So there is massive, massive support in the medical community that is not, of course, never reported in the mainstream media. Uh, Massive support for the notion that we have been played here. We have been defrauded. Okay, so it's not just me. This is not my belief system here. This is not just the opinion of some lone nutter. This is. The, what the evidence points us to, and this is what thousands of people around the world, thousands of medical professionals are telling us based on the evidence, that it's a scam, it's a pandemic, not a pandemic. Okay, one last final point I want to make about the medical side of this before I get into the timeline and the proof that this whole thing was known about in advance. The CDC published a document called CDC 2019 Novel Coronavirus Real-Time RT-PCR Diagnostic Panel, Data dated Ju- uh, July, sorry, 2020. And on page 39, you'll find this section, which says, since no quantified virus isolates of the 2019 nCoV, that is the novel coronavirus, are currently available, ass- assays d- designed for detection of the 2019 nCoV RNA were tested with characterized stocks of in vitro transcribed full-length RNA. Now, as John Rappaport very logically points out, every object that exists can be quantified. It can be measured the use of the term quantified in the phrase from the cdc means the cdc has no measurable amount of the virus because it is unavailable in other words the cdc has no virus no one has isolated the COVID 19 virus therefore no one has proved that it exists if you can't purify and isolate and then definitively identify the thing then you can't say it exists Okay, but this is actually a massive problem in virology. This is a whole other tangent. We won't get into it. I just wanted to plant this seed, and I can tell you that I've covered this very thoroughly in my Truth interviews, my podcast interviews. I've had people like Dr. Andrew Kaufman, the late, great David Crow, Dr. Robert O. Young, and we have pulled this thing to pieces, it's Stephanie Seneff as well. We have absolutely demolished this myth of COVID-19, from a medical standpoint. So once you undermine the whole germ theory paradigm and the medical aspect of this, then you realize there is nothing. they have. Nothing has happened as they say it has happened. Okay, so let's move on. That's a huge tangent and I haven't gone down it because otherwise we'd be here for hours. Okay, so my sort of arbitrary starting point for this timeline, somewhat arbitrary, but definitely um, chosen for a purpose. 1954 in Holland at the Bilderberg Hotel in Oosterbeek, if memory serves me correctly. We had this meeting of high level, very powerful, very wealthy people, extremely highly placed, and they came to be known as the Bilderberg Group because it was held at Hotel Bilderberg. Um, very secretive, very heavily uh, guarded by security. You know, they heavily vet the employees and the people who'll be working there, and they do their best to keep it all under wraps. Now, why is this important the Bilderberg group meets annually they meet every year again under the the cloak of darkness as much as is possible and it's annually it's attended by the likes of imf representatives people from the world bank the federal reserve chase manhattan goldman sachs so you know all this sort of the the financial sector the high level movers and shakers in the financial world the cia the fbi nato the sinister henry kissinger Good old George Soros, who's got his fingerprints all over this globalist stuff, including Black Lives Matter. Media moguls such as David Rockefeller, Rupert Murdoch, and many others. Bill and Melinda Gates, and their names are going to come up repeatedly in this presentation. Um, It's attended by presidents, every president since Ike Eisenhower has either been there or sent representatives to the Bilderberg meeting, uh, attended by European royalty, people like John Kerry, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, Alan Greenspan. The list goes on and on. It's the who's who of the uber-powerful of politics, finance, and that sort of thing. So, an industry. These are people who are gathering to determine world policy or global policy for nations from a top-down level. This is getting towards the tip of the pyramid, now, I don't want to dwell too much on the Bilderberg Group. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, there's going to be a couple of themes that run through this thing, and one of them is the issue of population, overpopulation, and it's going to come up again and again. So in 1974, if you look at Henry Kissinger's National Security Study Memorandum, this document grapples with the problem of figuring out how to decrease fertility. Decrease it, not increase it, but to undermine people's fertility to slow population growth. So, in his mindset, depopulation should be the highest priority of foreign policy towards the third world. In other words, we don't want the undesirables reproducing. That's the mentality of these people, including Bill Gates. And you'll see that as we go along. Continuing the theme of overpopulation and depopulation, 1980, the Georgia Guidestones were erected. These are huge stone monuments. And they went up overnight under the cover of darkness. No one really knows who is responsible, which tells you something. And they have been attributed to the uh, pseudonym R.C. Christian. We don't know who that is or what that is. It might be a code name, but that's who it's attributed to, these massive stones. So in multiple languages, there are words carved on this thing. It states that the des- desired population of the planet, that is the whole planet, is five hundred million people globally. So right now, we're, we're I think we're over eight billion, and um, we are. <laughs> if we had to believe these people, these social engineers, these self-appointed godlike figures, well, we need to get rid of uh, at least seven point five billion people. That's what's literally carved in stone, and it, there is a quote there. The goal is to maintain humanity under five hundred million in perpetual balance with nature. Now, I don't know about you, but That doesn't sound too great to me. I mean, who gets to decide who lives and who dies? Well, not you, not me. The elite do. Okay, so getting a little more directly to the theme of coronavirus COVID, 1981 a very interesting fictional book came out called the eyes of darkness a lot of people have talked about this it's been circulated in social media and it's part freak part coincidence and maybe partly calculated input from someone in the publishing industry it's published by dean Kuntz or kunz his novel plays out the scenario of a deadly new viral contagion which was called wuhan 400 now originally in the book it was named gorky 400 but someone in the publishing industry in the States changed it to Wuhan 400 before it was released. So Kuntz may have been partly divining the future, dimly, and possibly partly under the influence of a mysterious someone who wanted the virus to be named Wuhan 400 for US consumers. Interesting possibilities, but not definitive. So it it seems like it's a uh, quite possibly some intentional predictive programming here they're laying the foundation for blaming china for a major um serious outbreak of disease a contagion if we skip ahead to 2003 there was a dead zone series a series called dead zone and there was one episode in particular that was of interest to us here it's called plague that was the name of the episode and I just want to note that the original SARS epidemic, epidemic, which is, again, if you look at it, any of these epidemics and, and really look beneath the surface, you'll see that time and time again they are trumped up, they are fictitious, they are made up, and no one would believe it if it wasn't for the mass media trumpeting this crap loudly and over and over again ad nauseum. They, they fall apart on the slightest scrutiny. So anyway, in this episode of The Dead Zone... It's called play, and we have the discovery of a highly infectious new virus. And, again, I'm not saying I believe that there is a highly infectious new virus called SARS-CoV-2 or whatever circulating. I don't believe that's actually the case, but it's more the idea. They're implanting the idea okay, repeatedly, and that's what's important, it's the belief system of humans that's being manipulated here. So they talk about the discovery of this highly infectious new virus, Immediately, the sheriff talks about going into a lockdown and this is for your family's safety. That's a direct quote. Another character suggests maybe we should wear masks. What a brilliant idea. The doctor asks a child if she's been around any animals. So they're seeding the idea that this highly infectious new respiratory virus could have come from a bat, for example, or a pig. He then swabs the inside of her mouth and the doctor describes this thing. It it has efficient airborne transmission. It causes respiratory uh, distress and high fever. Now, Smith says, China, isn't that where flu viruses come from? (laughs) What a ridiculous thing to say. Yes, flu viruses. That's right, China. Just manufacturing flu viruses for the world. Never mind the fact that no one's ever proved the flu virus is infectious or does what (laughs) germ theory says it does. But that's another tangent. So anyway, the doctor says a lot of viruses come from there. And later on, the same doctor says, whatever it is, it originated in China. So they just keep hammering home. Blame China. It's China's fault, China. And they also reinforce the myth that the coronavirus was, quote, isolated in in the span of 34 days. Now, in reality, isolation is a huge problem. It's a a very embarrassing problem in in the field of virology. And another tangent we don't really have time to get into, let's just say that quote from CDC, booklet on page 39 that i showed you at the start there is just the tip of the iceberg no one's purified and isolated and definitively identified this new coronavirus so we don't have any proof that it's existed and if you go into the history of virology you'll see that when they use terms like isolation or purification or isolate it doesn't mean what they want us to think it means they're using a different lexicon it's like legalese you hear a word it sounds familiar but it actually means something different to what we're accustomed to Okay, so anyway, Smith's solution in the show is chloroquine, funnily enough, an anti-malarial drug which you guys all have heard of, and the doctor confirmed later in the episode. Well, chloroquine worked; it stopped the thing in its tracks. It also shows in, in this episode barcodes on people's foreheads, barcodes being scanned, and there's an old man who's um, I pre- presume infected by this new disease. He's been he's being sent into a fire alive he's not dead he's being he's been strapped to a, a board and been sent being sent into a fire along a conveyor belt not a great image and also possibly a little bit of an insight there into the mentality of the self-appointed elite around the world today If we skip ahead two years now, timeline's condensing a little bit. You'll notice the whistleblower exposes Anglo-Saxon mission here. Okay, so there was a whistleblower who came out and spoke to Bill Ryan. And Bill relayed his testimony to us. So this guy was present at a meeting, a very secretive meeting, a high-level meeting. And the phrase was trotted out that China will catch a cold. So there was a plan to release a virus among the Chinese to take out Chinese people. This was was racial targeting. It was to follow a planned, limited nuclear war in the Middle East, and these people were planning for totalitarianism. They were planning for martial law. They were planning for total surveillance, depopulation. Half of the planet's population wiped out, in line with the kind of George Guidestone stuff that we've looked at and Henry Kissinger and, and all these other elites who are obsessed with depopulation, and we'll see this come up again and again. So the plan was called, it was referred to as the Anglo-Saxon mission. Part of it was also that Israel was to attack Iran, then there'd be a ceasefire, China would be attacked by a flu-like bioweapon. They wanted to engineer World War III, and as I said, half the population would then be wiped out. So the, the less of us there are, the easier we are to control. It seems to be part of the ethos here of these sociopaths. The world's infra- infrastructure would go down, and this uh, whistleblower, this insider, was... He made a note. He was quite struck by how hurried they were. They were really rushing to move this through. Part of it was that they seemed to be preparing for a major geophysical event. And that's another tangent. So anyway, in on another level, if there is this major geophysical disaster, then depopulation makes sense in a way to these people because then there are less mouths to feed. And obviously, only the chosen ones get to survive and get to eat. <clears throat> obviously, wiping out populations like china which is like two billion people two billion mouths, feed makes makes a lot of sense to these people and so it's a white racist agenda and the people inheriting the new world the post-apocalyptic world would be of course caucasians they wanted to get rid of the chinese and other races races and nations simply wouldn't have the resources to recover so here we go skip to v for vendetta this is some mainstream uh entertainment here by the wachowski well now the wachowski sisters So the plot of this film is that a totalitarian regime garners its power by spreading terror about a virus circulating around the world and needing to, quote, protect people. Like we're told, we're being protected now by our medical and political overlords, and they promised security but not freedom. Coincidentally enough, the film was set for 2020, and you have to wonder with the Wachowskis. I mean, they seem to be passed a lot of inside information. It was packed into The Matrix far beyond coincidence, far beyond just tuning into the collective consciousness and doing visionary film organically like that, if you could put it that way, they seem to be given specific detailed information like not how 9-11 was coded into, was included on Neo's um, ID in one scene in The Matrix. So anyway, a little bit of maybe positive predictive programming in the sense that the people actually overturn the, the tyrannical regime and they conquer it, they rebel. And Throw it off, which is actually a a positive. That's something to take away from this film. People actually start waking up and asking questions and realizing, just like a lot of people have so far with Convert, that what we're being told just doesn't make sense. The mass media was the the instrument of brainwashing and terror, and they started to see the inconsistencies of it and question it, which is what's happening increasingly now. Then again, three three if we go three years into the future, two thousand and eight, Coronavirus outbreak is predicted. Jim Fetzer tells us that the author and investigator, Robin DeRuta, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, predicted in 2008 that there would come a global lockdown. He said the purpose was to create a new world of authoritarian control. Bit of a theme. Yes, that's right. Absolutely a theme. Now, in 2010, the Rockefeller Foundation report was published, and it's called Scenarios for the Future of Technology and International Development. And the Rockefellers are major players around the manipulation of the, well, every facet of human life, actually. If you've done your homework, you realize these guys have a hand in pretty much everything, banking, finance, all the politics, you name it. I mean, industry industry. It just goes on and on. So these guys are huge manipulators. They're very well known in the research community for being enemies of humanity. Okay, so one of the headings in this book, in this booklet, was A World of Tighter Top-Down Government Control and More Authoritarian Leadership with Limited Innovation and Growing Citizen Pushback. And I'm going to read you some quotes here from it. In 2012, this is their scenario, right? They're imagining, they're fantasizing. They're fantasizing two years into the future from when the document came out. In 2012, the pandemic that the world had been anticipating for years finally hit. That's a weird sentence because if you tapped into the normal world, the workaday world of average people, I don't know anyone who's sitting around waiting for a pandemic. It just doesn't seem to be the case. This is on anybody's mind until the mass media programs it there and manufactures a concern out of nothing but anyway let's continue unlike 2009's h1n1 this new influenza strain originating from wild geese was extremely virulent and deadly so there we have the theme that it's coming from the animal kingdom and infecting humans even the most pandemic prepared nations were quickly overwhelmed when the virus streaked around the world yeah, killing 8 million people in just seven months. It sounds like the globalist wet dream here. Look at all that death and carnage. Wonderful. The majority of them were healthy young adults, so they're trying to really instill, you know, that this is the worst possible scenario. It's unstoppable. It's killing the healthiest and strongest among us. The pandemic also had a deadly effect on economies. Okay, yeah, well, we're seeing that. International mobility of both people and goods screeched to a halt, debilitating industries like tourism and breaking global supply chains, which is exactly what's happened under COVID 1984. Even locally, normally bustling shops and office buildings sat empty for months, devoid of both employees and customers. Well, isn't that exactly what's happened? Of course. The pandemic blanketed the planet, though disproportionate numbers died in Africa, Southeast Asia and Central America, which is, by the way, these are the kinds of populations that these globalist elite elitists would like to see ravaged and devastated and culled. So they're fantasising about where they'd like to see the, the most carnage, who they'd like to cull. Where the virus spread like wildfire in the absence of official containment protocols. So we need official containment protocols. They're very important. Never mind the fact that jam theory is absolute hokum. But anyway, even in developed countries, containment was a challenge. And then they plant this seed. The United States initial policy of strongly discouraging citizens from flying proved deadly in its leniency. So leniency and allowing freedom is deadly. Accelerating the spread of the virus, not just within the US, but across borders. However, here we go. A few countries did fare better, China in particular. The Chinese government's quick imposition and enforcement of mandatory quarantine for all citizens. Oh, we've heard a bit of that, haven't we? Particularly living in Australia. How's Victoria looking? Not so good. As well as its instant and near hermetic sealing off of all borders, we've seen that well, shut down all over the world, particularly, again, in Australia. and I say that because I live here. The fascism here has been pretty rife. Saved millions of lives. So that's the model, the China model right total lockdown close the borders mandatory quarantine for all people healthy people that's not quarantine that's house arrest okay you don't quarantine healthy people that's just totalitarianism but this is the model they're gunning for right and it saved millions of lives and stopped the spread of the virus far earlier than in any other countries and blah 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 swift recovery now It continues to say that China's government wasn't the the only one that took extreme measures to protect its citizens. During the pandemic, national leaders flexed their authority and imposed airtight rules and restrictions from the mandatory wearing of face masks, okay, so they're already fantasising about this stuff 10 years ago, guys, at least 10 years ago, to body temperature checks at the entries to communal spaces. Well, that's exactly what we're dealing with now. Like train stations and supermarkets and all the other places, even after the pandemic faded, this more authoritarian control and oversight of citizens and their activities stuck and even intensified. So they're writing the kind of future they want to see here. In order to protect themselves from the spread of increasingly global problems, from pandemics and transnational terrorism to environmental crises and rising poverty, leaders around the world took a firmer grip on power. Hmm, How admirable of them. At first, the notion of a more controlled world gained wide acceptance and approval. Citizens willingly gave up some of their sovereignty and their privacy, mm, give up that privacy, folks, to more paternalistic states in exchange for greater safety and stability. So they sell them the fear, they sell them manufacture a threat and sell them safety and security. Citizens were more tolerant and even eager for top-down direction and oversight, and national leaders had more latitude to impose order in the ways they saw fit. And this is the last quote from the document. In developed countries, this heightened oversight took many forms. Biometric IDs for all citizens, tighter regulation of key industries whose stability was deemed vital to national interests, presumably those industries that were not deemed vital to national interests were just to be shut down and destroyed. In many developed countries, enforced cooperation with a suite of new regulations and agreements slowly but steadily restored both order and, importantly, economic growth. So, great. All we needed was Big Brother to step in and stomp his boot down on the face of humanity and destroy all remaining freedoms and um, everything would be restored to normal, but not normal, the new normal. Now, if we move forward two years to the London Olympics opening ceremony, we can see some major ritualised predictive programming here. This is quite hardcore. So, during the opening ceremony of the Summer Olympics 2012, a ritualised coronavirus outbreak was enacted. Dozens of hospital beds, large numbers of nurses becoming puppets or COVID bots of a hypnotically controlling system, death lurking about, airborne, quote, germs being spread, a demonic spectre looming over the whole world. And the whole theatre was lit up in such a way that seen from the sky, it actually looked like the outline of a coronavirus. And the stadium was also rimmed with illuminated pyramids too, which was a nice touch by the illuminated ones, the illuminated ones. And there was, there was good old Boris Johnson in his hospital bed there, This was before the the crown was inflated. Very interesting symbolism here. Highly detailed, clearly planned. This is clearly part of the agenda here. It's not a coincidence. It's not just channeling the unconscious. It is orchestrated. It's calculated. It's total predictive programming, getting us ready to accept the idea that we're all in imminent danger. There's a virus on the loose. Again, massive reinforcement of germ theory and the ideas that viruses and germs are, and microbes are, are on the loose, out to get us, get inside of us, infect us, which is a totally outdated 1800s view of how health and illness works. Okay, and then we go to the next year, 2013, rapper Dr. Creep, he predicts COVID-2020. And a friend forwarded me a clip of his on YouTube uh, in which the rapper explicitly uses the phrase 2020 combined with coronavirus bodies stacking. Guess what the title of the track was? It was Pandemic. And it was uploaded to YouTube in 2013, so it's at least that old. The state is rioting using the street outside. It's coming to your windows, another lyric from the song. And when he was questioned about it, Dr. Creep explained... I did research back in 2012 and read the so-called conspiracy theories, for those investigations the media doesn't want us to look into. According to those theories, pandemics were bound to happen in the decade of 2020 to 2030, so I wrote the song Pandemic about it. So, <laughs> ladies and gents, there was enough information in the public domain for this guy to write a song about coronavirus 2020. There was enough information available to us all in 2013, back then, seven years ago, to be able to write a song about coronavirus body stacking 2020. It's all there. And the riots. And then in October 2014, Harry Vox, investigative journalist, he predicts there's a planned global pandemic and says that the ruling class needs to do this, why, and I'll quote, they will stop at nothing to complete their toolkit of control. One of the things that have been missing from their toolkit is quarantines and curfews. Now, we have curfews in Victoria. So it, there's at least one place where it's actually happening. I'm sure there are others. Anyway, pretty smart virus. It's uh, <laughs> It runs on our schedule. It's not active at the right times of day. Anyway, so the, the point, according to Harry, is, to get hundreds of thousands of people infected with it and create the next phase of control. Now, he said that in October 2014. He was talking about Ebola. Like I said, these manufactured pandemics, not real pandemics. They're perceptions of pandemics. All you need is the media to broadcast on a global scale across every major outlet that something's happening and people believe it. People believe it. If you tell the medical community there's an outbreak of some new virus, they will believe it. If it comes from one of the authorities that they are imprinted on that that whether it's the world health organization for example at the top of their hierarchy they believe it they don't question it for the most part unfortunately that's just the way the medical system works i mean they're not exactly taught critical thinking folks and they're punished very uh, strongly for speaking out of turn and questioning the ruling hierarchy so anyway in the very next year, and this is where it gets really interesting, I mean, I could pretty much stop the presentation after the next few slides. 2015, there is a COVID-19 patent filed. And now, if you're not already aware of this, then your jaw should be on the floor, because we were told that this coronavirus-19 is a new one discovered in December 2019. So, if it was discovered for the first time in December 2019, why is it that Richard A. Rothschild was filing a patent for it for a system and method for testing for COVID-19 in 2015, four years in advance. That's remarkable foresight or just a remarkable coincidence. So supposedly before this thing existed, four years before it existed, they were working on a testing method. He already had a testing method and he was patenting it. Also that same year, Rothschild and Dan Macklin, also of Great Britain, ap- applied for a patent on a system and method for using, processing and displaying what? Biometric data. And that is absolutely crucial. You guys have to understand that what is being rolled out here is hardcore technocracy it is the measurement, the surveillance, the monitoring of every facet of human life and the the technology that will be harvesting our data. Well, ultimately, that the intention is that it will be inside of us. It will be in, in our bodies. It will be under the skin. It will be in our cells. It will be in our DNA. And that's the direction this is all going in. So you can see there the date of the patent publication there or the data was applied for, 2015. And the system and method for using, processing, and displaying biometric data, also there, 2015. Remarkable foresight there. And what a coincidence that it comes from a guy called Rothschild. Okay, so to quote from the patent page, a method is provided for obtaining and transmitting biometric data from a user, the data being analysed to determine if the user is suffering from a viral infection such as COVID-19. So hang on a minute. I thought... There was no such thing as a viral infection called COVID-19 until December 2019. What happened to that whole narrative? Well, it's just been destroyed. It is an absolute fraud. It's an insult to all of our intelligence, assuming that we have any. I'll continue the quote. The method involves using a pulse oximeter to obtain at least the pulse and blood oxygen saturation percentage, which is sent wirelessly to a smartphone. Okay, so you can see where we're buying these devices and we're buying into our slavery, our digital slavery, our servitude. This is uh, what these guys are building is a digital prison. It's going to be a global prison without bars. We won't be able to go anywhere, do anything unless we have all the vaccines and all the certification, all the identification. Anyway, to continue the quote, it says, to ensure the data is accurate, an accelerometer in the smartphone is used to measure movement of the smartphone and or the user once accurate data is obtained it's uploaded to the cloud where the data is used to determine if the user is suffering from or likely to be suffering from likely to be suffering from a viral infection such as covid-19 never mind the fact that covid-19 is not a real viral infection. Depending on the specific requirements, the data changes to it and all the provision can be used to alert medical personnel and take appropriate action. Now, that might sound, if you're still that naive to think that sounds like there's a positive intent here, I assure you it's, there's none whatsoever. It is not about helping you. It is about monitoring us all and getting us into the digital control grid. And they're building, they're building something that I'm going to continue to build the outline of for you here. So anyway, the official narrative... 2019 was the year in December that we discovered a novel coronavirus, and we're supposed to believe that it's hopping around first from a a bat to humans and then from one human to another. I mean, it's garbage, ladies and gentlemen. If you've actually pulled the story apart in detail, it is absolute nonsense. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's just one assumption after another assumption, no evidence behind it whatsoever. They still haven't managed to sequence a full genome for SARS-CoV-2 because they can't find one they can't isolate and purify one so why should we believe it even exists and if you have adopted the the belief that it's a bioweapon well i'd have to say it's the most piss-poor bioweapon anyone's ever come up with because it's pathetic i mean if you look at <laughs> and we we can't talk about death rates or survival rates because the testing is meaningless so if you haven't gone down that rabbit hole i strongly recommend you check out the first uh six episodes of of my truth of Earth, um, podcast and you'll be able to pull that apart okay so 2016 now going into 2016 there is a netflix movie release called hedgehogs and the theme of it is that there's a respiratory virus spreading in humans so there's more of this predictive programming right really hammering at home every possible opportunity every angle and the ending i'll give you a quote from the ending of the film it goes i'm happy to announce we've discovered a vaccine we, can, we no longer have to live in fear. Everyone can go back to their normal lives. Ladies and gents, this is a children's movie. Have a look at that. The message is pretty bloody obvious. We've discovered a vaccine. Therefore, we can go back to living our normal lives. In other words, we can't go back to living our lives until we have a vaccine. There's the message that it's ramming home to your children. Can't go back to normal until the technocrats have given us a vaccine. Okay, so hurry up, Bill Gates, and save us all. We can only go back to normal or the new normal once we've got that vaccine. Okay, then the next year, good old Tony Fauci or Fausty, he tries his hand at a bit of prophecy, ladies and gents, and he had a pretty good crack at it in January. He said with total confidence that Trump's first term would feature a surprise outbreak of an infectious disease and it was definitely going to happen he said this is a direct quote there is no question there is going to be a challenge for the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases there will be a surprise outbreak there's no doubt in anyone's mind about this now interesting language if you've predicted it in advance say months in advance or weeks whatever but you've predicted it you've foreseen it then how big of a surprise is it really And how can you be so confident about your prediction? How can you have such immense, unflappable confidence in a prediction about a supposed infectious disease outbreak unless you're going to be involved in manufacturing the perception of an infectious disease outbreak, which is exactly what Tony Fauci has been doing. And he called on the Trump administration to prepare the U.S. for such challenges before they arise by improving global health surveillance systems. it's all about the surveillance systems, ladies and gentlemen, harvesting your data, tracking you, monitoring you. And that's the tip of the iceberg. So the very uh, next year, we had the Bill and Melinda Gates guarantee of a pandemic. They guaranteed us a pandemic. Isn't that a weird thing to do? I mean, unless you're going to orchestrate one or create the perception of one. The perception of an illusory pandemic, how can you guarantee it? You know, they, aren't they supposed to be things that are naturally spontaneously occur? Well, that's general sort of belief. But they were very confident about this pandemic. Quote, a global pandemic is on its way. An engineered virus is humanity's greatest threat. And you'll we'll have to forgive my, my spelling errors or um, spelling and grammar errors in this. I'm just noticing them now. <laughs> Anyway, so they say this will happen in the next decade. So this is 2018. Within the next 10 years, they are guaranteeing a pandemic. Well, it's easy to guarantee pandemics or the appearance of a pandemic if you're going to actually orchestrate one. So they claim that the dense population of the world guarantees this imminent global catastrophe. And again, that theme there of people like Bill Gates, who is a a known eugenicist, a known depopulationist. They continually want to plant this seed that we are overpopulated and we need to cull the herd. That's what they're all about. It's the same guy who says that we have overpopulation and we need to depopulate people. And out the other side of his mouth, he's telling us that we all should get his vaccines. Well, if you want to kill us off, why would we use your medical products? I know that I, I don't mind living, at least <laughs> it's okay at the moment. These guys want to make it a living hell on earth, though. And they will if we don't stop them. Okay, here's a big one. Here's another smoking gun, big time smoking gun, almost on the same level of the 2015 COVID nineteen um, patents that we talked about. So through 2017 and 2018, there were COVID nineteen test kits shipped globally. Now, <laughs> these are listed on the World Integrated Trade Solution website. This is a World Bank website. And they did change the listing when this became public knowledge. They changed the listing, but they kept the product number. So they didn't really manage to conceal these things very successfully. And I just want to read you something from the World Integrated Trade, trade Solution site. So WITS software provides access to international merchandise, trade, tariff, and non-tariff measures data so tracking all of this trade of medical products, such as diagnostic kits, And it was discovered, this was first discovered on September the 5th of 2020, and someone posted it on social media, the next day went viral. The next day, WITS suddenly changed the original designation COVID-19 into the vague medical test kits. So the very next day, once this became public knowledge, they very hurriedly changed the designation from COVID-19 into medical test kits. They changed the label. Now, according to Jim Fetzer, this is not allowed in trade because you always have to be specific. There are many types of test kits for different reasons. The fact that they removed the specification COVID-19 after this data became known worldwide proves by any reasonable standard, I think, that they were caught out and tried to cover their tracks. They did, however, forget to delete one detail, that is the product code for these medical test kits, which is 300215 and which means COVID-19 test kits. Now, Jim Stone is the guy who really nailed this, and I just wanted to mention his name there because he pulled this together and and caught them red-handed and broadcasted around. So good on you, Jim Stone, for your solid uh, detective work and journalistic work there, exposing this 2017-2018 test kit distribution, COVID-19 test kit distribution, before COVID-19 existed, supposedly. So either these people have crystal ball... Or there's someone using a time machine somewhere. Or this whole thing is a plannedemic It's a scandemic and they knew what they were doing years in advance. Otherwise, why would they be shipping COVID-19 test kits around? and Why would they feel the need to go and cover their tracks like that? Now, it would have been even better proof if we had somebody log these pages, archive these pages using the Wayback Machine. If they had done that... Say, in 2017 and 2018, if they'd archived those particular pages on the WITS website, then there would be absolutely no room whatsoever for any plausible deniability. But I think that the fact that they changed it in such a hurry, they changed the website in such a hurry, goes to show there was a guilty conscience in play. So basic logic... Since this was always intended to be a fake pandemic, it's not about testing for a new disease, which was already named at least as far back as 2015. It's really about surveilling all humans and harvesting our biometric data on a global scale in line with the great reset and the globalist end game. Now, technocracy is a word that if you don't know, you need to know it. And it is about to- the total monitoring and total control of every single facet of human life. These people, they wanna know what you ate for dinner, they want to know what time you went to bed, when, what time you got out of bed. They want to know when you went to the toilet to take a number two. They want to know how heavy your number two was. They want to know everything about you. I wish I was exaggerating. It sounds ridiculous, but that is exactly the direction these psychopaths are taking us in. Uh, and the Internet of Things is instrumental to that. Every device hooked up and talking to every other device and also talking to the biometric technology in your body. Now, if you look at 2018 2018 onwards, Snapchat and TikTok, and I want to tip my hat to Mark Devlin for pointing this out. So Snapchat and, the, and TikTok, these social platforms, started drip-feeding masks into their filter selection, encouraging people to normalise being masked. Same, The same is seen in an episode, a recent episode of Candid Camera where waiters wearing masks come to serve people in a restaurant. And, uh, again, thanks to Mark Devlin for pointing this out. So... Very interesting in that Candid Camera episode, I saw the segment in in Devlin's um, presentation and it was interesting to note how uncomfortable the people were when the masked people came to them to serve them. And yet here we are not long after and suddenly masks are completely normalised. They've been de-weirded. We're not so put off by them now because of the mass conditioning, the mass normalisation, just the endless saturation of the propaganda and the, the imagery. So put your muzzles on, guys. Put your muzzles on. Be a good little slave. Don't talk out of turn. Destroy your identity. It's a good little symbol, the face mask for communism, for this communist takeover, because it it undermines, it blanks out your individuality. And it is, of course, a symbol of repression and, and silencing someone, taking their voice away, taking their will away, their autonomy, their agency. 2018 again. You'll notice these timelines compress quite a lot. There's a lot happening now. The Institute for Disease Modelling blames China. What a surprise. Again, it's China's fault. It's all China's fault. The video shows a flu virus originating in China from the area of Wuhan and spreading all over the world, killing millions. They called it a simulation for a global flu pandemic. Well, here we are, 2020, late 2019, December 2019 onwards, with the coronavirus, the cold pandemic. And again... What was the source of it? Well, Wuhan. Why is it that they're so intent on planting that Wuhan seed in the mass psyche and the the structure of the globalist control grid? Okay, and then something very interesting from March 2019, which was reported on by Ben Swan. Moderna, they filed a patent amendment, and keep in mind, this is months before we supposedly discovered COVID-19, And the COVID vaccine patent warned of a, quote, deliberate coronavirus release. According to Ben Swan, Moderna filed filed for a patented amendment in March 2019 concerned about a re-emergence or deliberate release of SARS coronavirus. This is nine months before COVID kicked off, ladies and gentlemen. So why is it that all of a sudden Moderna became concerned about a re-emergence or perhaps a deliberate release of SARS coronavirus. Why is that? And they filed their patent amendment. Remarkable foresight. I think you'll agree. And then June of 2019, June 13, the World Economic Forum and the UN join forces, they team up. And, of course, these are just major node points in the globalist control grid, the, the WHO, the UN... World Economic Forum, otherwise referred to as Davos, which is where they hold the meetings. Now, I'll give you a quote here from the WEF website, which is the World Economic Forum and the United Nations signed today a strategic partnership framework outlining areas of cooperation to deepen institutional engagement and jointly accelerate the implementation of the what? The 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Now, 2030, Agenda 2030 is just... Agenda 21, the same exact thing, just with a new date, new number attached to it. So that's when they want to have this control grid, this depopulation agenda, and the full-blown technocratic control grid rolled out by by 2030. They want to see this thing complete, which means that by that point in time, if they have their way, uh, we would be down to uh, probably 2 billion people or less, maybe 500 million if you use George Guidestone's number. Anyway, that's where these guys are taking us. And they they honed in on six key areas, uh, but I've just targeted two of them just to highlight two from the website. Uh, Firstly, health, which is they want (laughs) to... I'm not saying they want to. This is a quote from the website. Support countries achieve good health and well-being for all within the context of the 2030 Agenda. Focusing on key emerging global health threats that require stronger multi-stakeholder partnership and action. And then, obviously, I wanted to highlight the Agenda 2030 bit there so that you can see that Davos is fully on board with it. Digital cooperation is the other area of the six that I'm highlighting. And this is to meet the needs of the fourth industrial revolution while seeking to advance global analysis, dialogue, and standards for digital governance and digital inclusiveness. Now, there are some code words here, and digital inclusiveness is a word you'll hear repeatedly in the rhetoric of these sociopaths, these uh, self-appointed overlords of humanity. And uh, What it really means is that no one is going to be able to escape the dragnet the digital dragnet, the technocratic dragnet. No one will be able to escape it. Everyone from wealthy to poor will be tagged and bagged, so to speak, will be tagged, will be microchipped, will be nanochipped, will be connected to their network on the Wi-Fi no one's going to escape this, and this has to do with many things. This is a very form, a very dark form of capitalism as well. And I talked to Alice McDowell about this in our interview, which I believe was the fifteenth episode of my podcast, which I strongly recommend you check out because she really gets it. She gets the big picture of where this is all going—the fourth industrial revolution, also known as the Great Reset—and how these people are going to keep—they're going to keep people poor because they are figuring out and they have figured out ways to actually use that to their advantage and profit from it. They don't want to eradicate poverty. They want to manage it in such a way that they can continue to profit from the existence of poverty. Digital inclusiveness means that, again, that's how they will connect poor people into the the system so that they can do all their little sort of financial tricks and and illusions and, and make money out of thin air. Utilizing poverty. So that's part of the fourth industrial revolution. And really, it is about the deindustrialization of industrialized countries. And it is about exploiting third world countries and, and their populations, as well as culling them. Obviously, that's a major theme which we've touched on. So you might want to look at who funds Agenda 21, aka Agenda 2030. And it is people like the Gates Foundation, George Soros, the Rockefellers. Their fingerprints are all, always all over this stuff. These guys are the depopulationists other people who think that there are too many, quote, useless eaters and that we need to be culled. So got a little bit of a quote from Sarah Westall here. Agenda 2030 is an action plan devised by the UN and signed by 196 governments. One of its expansive goals is the depopulation of humanity because... "Quote: We are too many. It is promoted by the elites as a way to save the planet, and the plan is to be implemented by governments worldwide. And as the quote indicates, many governments around the world have adopted this. I know Australia has. I know New Zealand has. I could take you down a whole other rabbit hole here with quote after quote by these globalists, these depopulationists, about how they really believe that, apparently believe that we are overpopulated and that they are seeking to massively reduce the numbers of the living on this planet. So here's a couple. I could go on and on, but, you know, it's, it's just going to take too long to be comprehensive. Um, there's a statement from the UN here. The, vast, the present vast overpopulation, now far beyond the world carrying capacity, cannot be answered by future reductions in the birth rate due to contraception, sterilisation and abortion, but must be met in the present by the reduction of numbers presently existing. Reduction of numbers presently existing. Population, culling and must be done by whatever means necessary so they don't care it's the ends justifies the means that's the mentality of these people they want to kill as many people as possible it doesn't matter how they get it done that's what they're saying here it's pretty black and white ted turner another major player in this whole thing he thinks a a total world population of 250 to 300 million aka a 95 percent decline from present levels would be ideal that's his those are his words. He he later revised that number to uh, upwards to two billion. So I'm not sure why. Don't know. But he, he apparently later on thought that two billion would be uh, suitable. Anyway, there is a quote here from Morris Strong, who is also one of these. If I can coin a term, de In and this is uh, to do with his fictional novel that he he w- would have wanted to write. I think he said he was not quite a good enough writer to come up with his fictional novel. But the plot line was, isn't the only hope for the planet that the industrialised nations collapse? Isn't it our responsibility to bring that about? So and this guy was Secretary General of the UN and Chairman of the Earth Summit. He was also former co-chairman of the Council of the World Economic Forum, WEF again. So there are all, all these entities, all these transnational entities are totally interlinked. They're, they're manned and staffed by at the highest levels by the, and the same people, basically, and run by the same people. So Morris Strong, he was very much about the whole population bomb, the depopulation of the planet. He thought there were too many of us. And this is his fantasy expressed here. Isn't the only hope that the, de- the industrialised nations collapse? And isn't it our responsibility to bring that about? That was his kind of fantasy scenario for his novel, but that is actually a genuine insight into his mindset. The last one I'll leave you with for, the, for this depopulation page is we've got to ride this global warming issue. Even if the theory of global warming is wrong, which it is, we'll be doing the right thing in terms of economic and environmental policy. Well, what's that? It's the de-industrializ- deindustrialization of advanced nations, of first world nations. That's what their economic and environmental policy is, and that is what COVID twenty twenty has achieved. It is destroyed economies all around the world. That's what these lockdowns have achieved. And the global warming thing, obviously, another huge tangent, but that is, you'll notice actually, even in recent weeks, <laughs> even amidst all the hype and the fear mongering around COVID-19, people like prince charles and others have gone back to beating the the global warming horse they keep bringing it back it's like if we're not gonna get you with covid19 we're gonna get you with global warming one way or another we're gonna scare you into deindustrialization. we're gonna scare you into going back to the stone age we're gonna scare you into depopulation culling the herd they, it's, they want you to put your hand up and say all right you can start you can cull me i'll i'll, I'll volunteer you can kill me off this is a psychopathic mentality that you're dealing with so you, we're we're taking a little bit of a, a stroll here through the minds the very diseased and deranged minds of the world's self-appointed leaders so global warming there another rabbit hole but i can tell you that co2 driven global warming is absolute garbage it is a fraud and it's part of the deindustrialization agenda agenda 2030 Let's move on. Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution. This is the World Economic Forum website again. And just a couple of little quotes from it. They want to use COVID to harness the power of revolution to change the economy. Using COVID to harness the power of revolution to change the economy. Well, COVID has sure done that. Not anything to do with the virus, but the policy changes and decisions made by people in high places. And they also talk about blurring the lines between physical, digital, and biological spheres, uh, which, of course, points to transhumanism. And uh, in its most pessimistic, dehumanised form, the fourth industrial revolution, a.k.a. the Great Reset, may indeed have the potential to robotize humanity and thus to deprive us of heart and soul. So they see the possibility of that. The fourth industrial revolution will change not only what we do, but also who we are. It will affect our identity and all the issues associated with it. Our sense of privacy, our notions of ownership, our consumption patterns, the time we devote to work and pleasure and how we develop our careers, cultivate skills, meet people and nurture relationships. It's already changing our health and leading to a quantified self. And sooner than we think it may lead to human augmentation. Again, the transhumanist thing, melding human and machine. Interesting languaging in there. It's going to change everything about life as we know it, including our very own self-identity notions of privacy in other words forget about privacy because everything's going to be monitored and surveilled everything's going to be nano chipped and micro chipped and all the devices are going to be talking to each other and including your body ownership is to be gone to be thrown out the window again this is part of the the communist mindset get rid of ownership consumption patterns are obviously going to be monitored everything's going to be monitored and quantified and they'll determine how much time we spend on work and leisure, and that'll be part of their blockchain system of uh, incentives and enticements and control. Just well, it's control. Anyway, continues to say, one of the greatest individual challenges posed by new information technologies is privacy. Ha, huh, privacy. It's a real challenge for these guys. We instinctively understand why it's so essential. Yeah, do you, though? Yet yeah, the tracking and sharing of information about us is a crucial part of the new connectivity, and that is the rub. That's where it's going, tracking and sharing our information, tracking us, sharing our biodata. data. That is a crucial part of the new connectivity, according to these psychos. And on the right-hand side of your screen here, you'll see a screenshot there. This is by Sarah Westall as well, and the, this is the some of the uh, themes of UN meetings You can see there, if you look at 2016, they were talking about mastering the fourth industrial revolution. So this is something that, you know, conservatively speaking, it goes back at least as far as 2016, this idea that they're cooking up and this completely manufactured, they're cooking it up, they're engineering it, this fourth industrial revolution, the Great Reset, and they're going to be moulding the world economy and society in their image. They want it to look how they want it to look. And they're not consoling us, not asking you, they're not asking me, they don't want our input. This is the technocrat's mindset. And then 2019, you can see Globalization 4.0 shaping a global architecture in the age of the fourth industrial revolution. So again, they're not letting it go. It's very important to these people. Now, if we go to September 2019, we're getting really close to the kickoff of Convid 1984. And this publication is a world at risk by the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board, GPMB. And this is another sort of World Health Organisation, Rockefeller-type um, publication. So September 2019, look at the cover there. You can see what looks like what we've been told is a coronavirus there on the right. You can look at the people down there at the bottom are all wearing ma- masks. Again, very so much foresight here. More predictive programming. The GPMB will advocate at the highest level so that Continued sustained commitments, political, financial and social are high on the political agenda, and we will increase accountability for follow through. The world is at risk. But collectively, we already have the tools to save ourselves and our economies. Yeah. What we need is leadership and the willingness to act forcefully and effectively. Yeah, well, they sure do need that. Leaders at all levels hold the key. It's their responsibility to prioritise preparedness with a whole-of-society approach that ensures all are involved and all are protected. Oh, how wonderful. I feel warm and cosy just reading that. The world needs to proactively establish the systems and engagement needed to detect and control potential disease outbreaks. It's just a shame that germ theory is bogus and disease outbreaks don't happen because germs and viruses are floating around in the atmosphere. It's garbage. It's outdated. It's 1800, 1800s medicine or medical science, if you can call it science, completely outdated. Anyway, last part of the quote is, these acts of preparedness are a global public good that must meaningfully engage communities from the local to the international in preparedness, detection, response, and recovery. And look at the board members. Here's an interesting little insight. This is not the whole of them, but it's some of them. And down the bottom left, who else but Dr. Anthony S. Fausty, director of the NIAID. There's also Chris Elias there, who is president of Global Development Program and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Sorry, I should say Global Development Program with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You've got Jeremy Farrar, who is part of Welcome Trust You've also got the Director General for the Chinese CDC or CDCP, Dr. George F. Gao. You've got a UNICEF representative there, Miss Henrietta Four, and the National Academy of Medicine sending a representative there. So it's all the same people. It's UNICEF, the UN, you know, your Fausties. Interesting that there's the uh, Chinese CDCP there. And Fauci, as we know, is is absolutely hand in glove with Bill Gates, or maybe I should say Gates, as uh, David Wolfe so aptly coined the term. And the document continues. Here's a heading called Preparing for the Worst, a Rapidly Spreading Lethal Respiratory Pathogen Pandemic. I've underlined a couple of bits. A rapidly spreading pandemic due to a lethal respiratory pathogen poses additional preparedness requirements. Doctors and multilateral institutions must ensure adequate investment in developing and innovating vaccines and therapeutics, yada, broad-spectrum antivirals, and appropriate non-pharmaceutical advantages, which they don't really care about because they're not as profitable. Anyway, all countries must develop a system for immediately sharing genome sequences of any new pathogen for public health purposes along with the means to share limited medical countermeasures across countries. There's also a mention here, donors and countries can commit and identify timelines for financing and development of a universal influenza vaccine, which, of course, they will want to mandate, as we're already seeing, broad-spectrum antivirals and targeted therapeutics. The World Health Organization and its member states develop actions for standard procedures and timelines for sharing of sequence data, specimens, and beyond. It's all the same um, usual suspects and the focus on a respiratory pathogen, more of this predictive programming, a lethal respiratory pathogen. They keep ramming this idea home and the obsession with vaccines for anything and everything, even though the virus theory is basically complete hokum. They think the vaccines are the way to go, but it's really not about preventing or curing disease. It's about biometrics. It's about tracking. It's about surveillance and infertility by the way and at least two vaccines are associated with infertility the Gardasil vaccine and the tetanus vaccine and the tetanus vaccine goes back to the 70s 1970s associated with infertility and that is exactly what they are using this stuff for ladies and gentlemen it's not protect- to protect your health it's to undermine your ability to reproduce healthily and not- normally Last, pay, last part on page ten. The United Nations, including the World Health Organization, conducts at least two system-wide training and simulation exercises, including one for covering the deliberate release of a lethal respiratory pathogen. So now they're talking about training and simulation exercises for the scenario that was now that was then very shortly thereafter broadcast as happening in the mass media, which was this new coronavirus reminds me of the the training exercises that were being run on 9/11 which just uh, suddenly miraculously became real world scenarios actually happened and it's not the only they, these aren't isolated incidents either also happened with what was it London you know, 7 these, seven these training exercises and simulations they keep suddenly weirdly becoming real. if you look at the connections here it's all the same usual suspects the global preparedness monitoring board is extending their appreciation to the world health organization the world bank group as well they're grateful to the bill and melinda gates foundation for their financial support the Wellcome trust and resolve to save lives all the usual suspects you can see this pattern here there's a tissue here of manipulation and control and deception now if we move forward to september 2019 we can talk about id 2020 and id 2020 Let me just give you a quote here. The ID 2020 Alliance has launched a new digital identity program at its annual summit in New York in collaboration with the Government of Bangladesh, Vaccine Alliance, Gavi, and new partners in government, academia, and humanitarian relief. And Gavi is another tentacle of the Bill Gates octopus. Anyway, the program to leverage immunisation as an opportunity to establish digital identity. And that's what this is about, leveraging immunisation, which is the inappropriate term, leveraging vaccination as an opportunity to establish digital identity. They want to, again, tying all of this Digital identification and tracking and surveillance to vaccines, right? They really want to be able to track and surveil you through vaccines until the vaccines are ultimately surpassed, they become redundant, and there's a new technology that replaces them, like maybe the quantum dot. Okay, so digital identity is a computerized record of who a person is stored in a registry. It is used in this case to keep track of who has received vaccination. There it is in black and white. It's not a conspiracy theory. It is simply the reality of the situation. They want to use the biometric stuff and the computerization, the digitization of you to keep track of whether or not you've had your jabs. That's what this is about. Have you had your jab? No? Oh, well, can't go down on the plane. Have you had your jab? No? Oh, well, can't come in the shop to buy your groceries. Have you had your jab? You get the idea. That's where this is going. Okay, so a a brief note on Gavi's goal is to increase vaccination rates in poor countries. And this is a quote from F. William Engdahl, who's a very solid commentator on geopolitics. The Gates Foundation is a founding member of the Gavi Alliance, and Gavi is short for Global Alliance for Vaccinations and Immunization, in partnership with the World Bank, the WHO, and the vaccine industry. The goal of Gavi is to vaccinate every newborn child in the developing world. Now, if that sounds Like an exaggeration, I assure you it is not. And it's important to understand here what's really going on, what this is about. We've seen the obsession with depopulation and infertility, creating infertility. Bill Gates says with good use of jabs, we can cull the herd by 10 to 15%. And that's his direct quote for you. There are now 6.7 billion people on Earth, and soon there will be 9 billion. However, we can reduce that number by 10 to 15% if we do a good job with new vaccines, healthcare, and birth control. That's ten years ago. So you can see these people—they don't—they don't quit. They have a long-term vision. Ten years is nothing for the technocrats. All right? but I don't want to get on too much of a metaphysical tangent, but these people are almost inhabited by a spiritual contagion, a spiritual virus. It's the only real virus that really exists, as far as I can see here. The only one that's relevant, anyway. They are mentally ill, <clears throat> and it's there in black and white. He said this. I've seen the presentation. He says it. We can cull the population, we can reduce the population growth by ten to fifteen percent with the good use of new vaccines, healthcare and birth control. And I'm pausing there to let the vaccines a bit sink in. Okay, now a quote from Peggy Johnson who is executive VP business De- Business development at, at Microsoft, closing the identity gap is an enormous challenge. It will take the work of many committed people and organizations coming together across different geographies, sectors, and technologies. But it's exciting to imagine a world where safe and secure digital identities are possible, providing everyone with an essential building block to every right and opportunity they deserve. Huh, interesting sentiments. Let's break down that last sentence though. Digital identities, okay, digital identities, providing people with an essential building block. So the digital identity is an essential building block to every right and opportunity they deserve. Your digital ID as assigned by these people is going to be made essential for you to have access to your rights and the opportunities that they believe you deserve or maybe don't deserve just let it sink in chunk it down reread that sentence as many times as you need to this is it's pretty much there in plain english this is if you learn how to read the way that these people speak and write and decode what it's actually saying it's pretty obvious okay digital identity is going to be the means for you to access your rights and any life opportunities that they deem you deserve if you don't have your digital id then sorry you miss out you're out of the game you're excluded. He'd become a pariah. So Microsoft, Gabby, Accenture, all these people on board with ID twenty twenty and the digitization agenda. October twenty nineteen, we had Event two oh one. And this is a photo from the presentation. We need to prepare for the event that becomes a pandemic. So again, yeah, they're obsessed with this this pandemic idea, and it seems like, well, one way one way or another, folks, they were gonna have their pandemic. It just was that they had to manufacture a fake one. Event two oh one. And this event was a product of Johns Hopkins, the World Economic Forum, again, Davos, and Baal and Manlinder Gates Foundation. Thanks, David Wolf for Baal and Melinda. I found that a great little neologism, very amusing. Okay, now, this was a simulation event. A simulation was developed about three months before Wuhan supposedly became the epicenter of a global, quote, outbreak. Now, here's a quote. Event 201 simulates an outbreak of a novel zoonotic coronavirus, that is a coronavirus transmitted from the animal kingdom, from bats to pigs to people. There it is, from bats. Remember the bat meme supposedly came from bats? Anyway, that eventually becomes efficiently transmissible from person to person, leading to a severe pandemic. The pathogen and the disease it causes are modelled largely on SARS. It is more transmissible in the community setting by people with mild symptoms. So people with mild symptoms are actually more infectious in this little fantasy scenario. The disease starts in pig farms in Brazil, quietly and slowly, but then it spreads more rapidly in healthcare settings. And when it starts to spread efficiently from person to person in the low-income, densely-packed neighbourhoods of some of the megacities in South America, the epidemic explodes. It's first exported by air travel to Portugal, the US and China, and then to many other countries. Although at first some countries are able to control it, it continues to spread and be reintroduced, and eventually no country can maintain control. <gasps> Shock horror. Shock horror. And I hope you're enjoying my little bat graphics and little vampire from the previous page. I just thought the whole scenario, the, this whole Convid thing is just such a joke. It's so ridiculous. We may as well have a laugh at it. So my little bat cartoons there are there to remind us all of what a childish little prank and joke and sick little joke this is. I'll continue reading the quote here. There's no possibility of a vaccine being available in the first year. There's a fictional antiviral drug that can help the sick, but not significantly limit the spread. Since the whole human population is susceptible during the initial months, the cumulative number of cases increases exponentially, doubling every week. And as the cases and deaths accumulate, the economic and societal consequences become increasingly severe. This is like this is their wet dream, right? This is what they are really wanting to engineer. The scenario ends at the 18 month point with sixty-five million deaths. Wow. The pandemic is beginning to slow due to the decreasing number of susceptible people. The pandemic will continue at some rate until there is an effective vaccine. Oh, there's that meme again. We need we need vaccine to go back to normal and to stop the spread. Or until eighty to ninety percent of the global population has been exposed. So they're saying, they're even acknowledging that there's natural um, herd immunity but they're trying to make it sound so severe this hypothetical disease sounds so severe that you wouldn't want to risk natural immunity because you'll probably die right so we better just get the vaccine that was from the center for health security.org talking about event 201 and then in december shortly after that in december 19th of 2019 we had Bill Gates tweet about how excited he was for vaccine sales in 2020 and then very shortly after that the pandemic was announced. It was kicked off and he said, this is a tweet, what's next for our foundation? I'm particularly excited about what the next year could mean for one of the best buys in global health, vaccines. Now, does this, do these sound like the words of a philanthropist? He's particularly excited about what the next year could mean for one of the best buys in global health. He's clearly thinking in terms of dollar signs here. Cha-ching. Vaccines are still a big business for these sickos because unfortunately they've had the population in the thrall of germ theory for so long, it is so entrenched, the, the way to undermine any future pandemic is to undermine germ theory, to get people educated about it so that we understand that terrain theory is actually by far the more accurate representation of reality and germ theory is thoroughly outdated and basically without any scientific foundation whatsoever. But again, another tangent which I'm deliberately avoiding going into. Now, then we had April 2nd. 2020, World Bank gets caught out again. World Bank, remember that was connected to the WITS website where we had the 2017-2018 shipping of COVID-19 test kits around the world being tracked. And this project name, the World Bank project name, is COVID-19 Strategic Preparedness and Response Program, SPRP. And basically this is a program, an agenda that they're running, which will be running, if you look down the bottom there, to 31st of March, 2025. So we are in the midst right now. We are living through their SPRP, their Preparedness and Response Program. We're living through it. And if these guys have their way, they're going to continue ramming this crap down our throats, ramming down the the fake case numbers and the the, uh, completely insane lockdowns, the destruction of the economy, the destruction of families, the destruction of businesses, the destruction of mental health and well-being in general. And they're going to be continuing to enforce this until March of 2025, unless we do something about it. April 15th to 16th, Cuomo and Clinton get together. I like Cuomo's little hat there that I put on him. And... A leaked government video featured a conversation between Bill Clinton and Andrew Cuomo, governor of the state of New York. If you're not aware, Bill and Hillary Clinton are massively implicated, not just implicated, but we've had numerous whistleblowers and survivors speak out about their sexual abuse and assaults at the hands of both Clintons okay so these are the kinds of people you're dealing with this is actually well known in the research community i'm not making this up this is well established in the research community if you're not aware of it please start getting up to speed i interviewed a gentleman who has done a free ebook about the global trafficking and global pedophile networks Joaquim hagopian and that was episode 13 of truthverse so truthverse.com slash 13 check that one out okay so Cuomo and Clinton, said uh, they discuss how to set up a large control system to test the whole population and check all of their contacts. Oh, that doesn't sound invasive at all. They discuss how to build an army to carry out their control system. And Cuomo says, and this is a direct quote that I've I found, uh, I've checked, we need tracing agents in the hundreds and thousands. So you take the test and then you trace back all the contacts. So you take the, the, the medical test, the diagnostic test, and then you go looking through people's contact list and you you see who they've been in touch with it's never been done on this scale before it sounds like he's about to wet his pants this is an army of traces basically investigators clinton liked the idea of it he thought it was a good idea to these guys the idea of a medical gestapo or a medical inquisition destroying privacy destroying every last hint of human freedom is actually a great idea for these guys they they love the sound of it And this is for the Aussies. I thought I'd throw this in here. This is a photo of Daniel Andrews and Joe Biden and Linda Dessau, who are all here together at a um, a dinner party for Joe, for Creepy Joe, Child Sniffing Joe. And Linda is governor of Victoria. I don't know if she will be by the time some of you see this video. She may may not be. (laughs) If she's lucky, she'll still be alive, just like Dan Andrews. I just thought I'd include this to show you the kinds of people that these tyrants and sociopaths associate birds of a feather they're, these networks are very incestuous and they all hang out together they all get together they're all think tanking with each other and just designing the the absolute hell on earth that COVID 1984 has begun rolling out and it will continue to get worse folks unless we do something about it okay now i'm getting close to the end here july 2020 national COVID 19 testing and tracing action plan by who else but the rockefeller foundation love those guys they're fantastic proponents of freedom and the website states testing is the only way out of our present disaster and it will remain the case until a vaccine or effective therapeutics are widely available and those words are from dr Rajiv sharp he continues by saying we need to provide america's essential workers i don't know who's non-essential but i think they they get to determine that how fortunate for them Provide America's essential workers and children with a way to go about their work and lives more safely, so that critical institutions can survive and the rest be damned, and function during this period of time. The only alternative to a vaccine is more large-scale lockdowns. The document emphasizes massive expansion of contact tracing, home testing, and increased surveillance. That's what it's all about. Contact tracing, which is really about building the surveillance state, the digital surveillance state. And digital apps, this is another quote, digital apps and privacy protected tracking software should be widely used to enable more complete contact tracking. In order to fully control the COVID-19 epidemic, we need to test the majority of the population on a weekly basis. Now, if that doesn't sound batshit crazy to you folks, I don't know what does. Testing the majority of the population on a weekly basis, how would they do that with current methods unless they were actually thinking of doing it with the kind of biometric data we talked about earlier this stuff that would be in your body whether it's under your skin or actually nanoscale stuff that builds itself into your DNA and we're going to touch on that in a second that's the only way you could feasibly do this testing the majority of the population can, on a weekly basis could only be done with that kind of technology the stuff that you wear in your body whether you like it or not and their, their action plan has three major objectives. Number one was to massively expand COVID-19 testing. Secondly, to launch a COVID Community Healthcare core for testing and contract tracing. And this really reminds me of the, the witch hunters and the witch prickers of the witch craze. If we go back to the Inquisition of the Middle Ages, this really reminds me of that. You know, that's what the, the COVID Community Healthcare core really looks like to me. Uh, and of course, it is a witch hunt of sorts. Point number three, the third stage was... Uh, to create a COVID-19 data commons and digital platform. And that's really the idea, to get us all plugged into the cloud, all all augmented, quote, augmented with the technology, the nanotechnology and the microchips. And we we can all wear our lovely little tags and badges and have all our biometrics in these little chips. They'll be wearable at first. They'll be external at first. But the end game is to have this stuff in our bodies, folks, and to have it implanted at a nano scale like in the dna where you can't get it out that's the idea here to get it into us so you can't get it out can't be removed and so you can never opt out so they're going to be having this stuff schools offices passengers concerts sport venues ticket purchases all of this stuff tracking tracing monitoring surveilling all right gates of hell 2020 (laughs) Let's start wrapping this thing up now. Bill, Bill Gates has spoken about the requirement for a digital immunity proof. In other words, have you been vaccinated or not to allow society to function again? And only those who've received the COVAX or its replacement can participate in society again. That's the idea here. That's what these people are rolling out. Uh, and, and Gates wants cryptocurrency. He wants a cryptocurrency system that tracks all of your movement. So your bodily movement will be continuously reported back to the cloud using this technology this patent was filed patent publication number wo slash 2020 slash 060606 how funny that it's 666 i mean it's like these people trying it's like they're trying to out themselves they're trying to tell us what they're doing and are we listening i really hope we're listening at this point publication date twenty sixth of march 2020 and there you can see the application number and the international filing date i've got the actual URL there on the on the screen for you. And so Gates et al. Gates and all his sicko globalist cronies—they want this global monitoring network. They want to track everyone who supposedly came into contact with COVID nineteen for our protection, of course. And really, all our biometric data will be harvested and uploaded to the cloud. Hence the five G network or whatever supersedes the five G network. You no, know, we're going to be wirelessly connected to the cloud, and it's preempting the cashless society, which will be ultimately run by AI supercomputers. And the nanotech in the quantum dot uh, quantum dot vaccine will con- connect us directly to this cloud. So the cloud now, we used to have the old man with the beard on the cloud, that, that sort of old, outdated image of, of God, that anthropomorphic image of God. Now we have the digital cloud and we have the digital God. So we're replacing spirituality, we're replacing the physical world with a simulacrum, a digital simulacrum. And that, this is a very archontic Um, dynamic and agenda this is what if you know about the archons we talk about this elsewhere but their ability lies in the realm of um, mimicry and simulation they can't create anything of their own so they mimic and they simulate and that's what this is we're creating a augmented reality or virtual reality world to replace our real world the, the natural organic world they don't want us to have contact with that anymore okay so we're getting very close to the end now the world economic forum if you go and check out their stuff this is one of the pages this is just the covid the covid mind map if you like and you can see there look at all the areas that they've mapped out that they intend to be affected and completely transformed by covid-19 we've we know the world economic forum these people at davos they fully intend to transfigure the face of society economically socially and you name it And this is just the one page. This is their COVID-19 page. It was added relatively recently, but the other mind maps that connect to this have been there since at least as far back as 2017. So this is their COVID map for the transformation of all life on Earth, the World Economic Forum, which meets at Davos. Okay, so maximum delusion 2020. Let's just give a little bit of a synopsis here or diagnostic of what, what the state of play is. So we're all being turned into inmate patients in the global hospital prison run by technocrats. The prison wardens will primarily be doctors in the medical system until that is ultimately bypassed digitally and run by AI supercomputers. So we're going to get rid of the human element from every arena possible. Anywhere we can get rid of human involvement, that's the idea here. They're they're going to get rid of it they're going to make humans passe. Munchausen syndrome by proxy on a global scale is what we're seeing here. This is where the people who are supposed to be looking after you or caring for you are actually poisoning you or making you sick whilst they're pretending to look after you. That's what's happening here. I mean, just look at what's playing out through COVID. The people who are posing as our saviours and protectors are actually destroying us. They're psychologically terrorising us. They are destroying us financially. They're destroying us socially. You name it. It is Munchausen syndrome by proxy on a scale we have never seen before. It is creating enormous psychological duress globally. It is creating alienation from ourselves and each other and cognitive dissonance. We've got people all around the place behaving as if they're sick when they're not, wearing masks, protecting themselves from something that doesn't exist, trying to protect other people from themselves when they're not even sick. It's complete irrationality, just totally illogical. And it's put us, this psyop has put us into permanence fear mode and survival mode and when we're in that mode that low there's lower parts of the brain the primitive survival brain the reptilian brain and the the limbic brain when we're triggered there and we're coming out of there we're very easy to manipulate all we're looking for is someone to sell us safety someone to protect us someone to save us and rescue us we're not thinking critically and we're not intelligent We've created, through the so-called COVID response, not the virus doing it, it's our policies, our politicians doing it. It's created enormous dependency on the state. It's destroyed all sorts of things we've touched on. It's created massive desperation, poverty, debility, dread people are afraid they're afraid of the future Um, and if they're paying attention they should be afraid of the government and these transnational entities we are witnessing according to one who spokesman a possible doubling of hunger poverty and child malnutrition by 2021 and he didn't, didn't catch his name in the video i saw explicitly mentioned that we are making poor people much poorer those are his words through lockdowns so at least one person connected to the World Health Organization is actually making some sense at least as far as that quote is concerned, openly acknowledging the destruction of the lockdowns. but as we've seen the technocrats at the higher levels, the upper echelons, they want the only way they want to turn back and roll back the lockdowns is when we institute the new normal, we have the fourth global fourth global revolution, the great reset, and we're all tagged and bagged and in their little wireless digital prison. So all these countermeasures are just based on a putative and actually fictional risk, not based on real-time events or illness. It's just all this mental construct. It's illusion. And they're turning us into transhumanist zombies, ladies and gents. So obviously I've taken this far past the point of just showing that the COVID-19 PSYOP was pre-planned months and years in advance and COVID-19 was being talked about years in advance. And I'm showing you a broader context here for how this fits into it. It's only just scraping the surface here. I'm giving you things that you can go and follow up for yourself. And I strongly recommend checking out the interviews I've done with Alison McDowell for a start, David Crowe, Andy Kaufman, Dr. Robert Young, and also Will Hughes, which was about German New Medicine, which is Next level, some next level stuff. Okay, so coming back to transhumanist zombies, Dr. Carrie Madey has exposed the hydrogel nanotech vaccine as DNA-modifying. The purpose is, is twofold. It's more than twofold, but let's just keep it to two. Reprogram our DNA and make us human-synthetic hybrids that are therefore easier to control and monitor. It will be connected to the, the digital network, the cloud. And secondly, to connect us to the AI through a digital vaccine ID as per ID2020, which is exactly what ID2020 is all about. And we'll be connected to the cloud on the 5G network or whatever replaces the 5G network if these people have their way. So if you think that Dr. Made has just gone on a conspiracy theory rant here, I would encourage you to firstly not use manipulated language brought to us by alphabet agencies like the CIA as a way to discredit critical thinkers and researchers. But I would look at the announcement in the defense department trade magazine defense one and it talks about the same kind of technology and they're looking to have this approved by the fda early in 2021 and this is a direct quote from the publication the defense department is helping to fund a new study to determine whether an under the skin biosensor can help trackers that is the trackers and traces keep up by detecting flu-like infections even before their symptoms begin to show its maker profusa says the sensor is on track to try for fda approval by early 2021 this is actually a conspiracy fact this is part of the agenda it's it's open it's an open secret it's out there in the public domain anyone can see it and verify it under the skin biochips which interface with the cloud are already in existence and according to dr madei they are already being tested on poor African people. They're being tested on the human guinea pigs that that these sickos like Bill Gates and and the others, they believe they can get away with. You know, they go to a third world country and they test it on these people who we can't physically defend and they try to hide and conceal their activity. So they go to a remote place away from the Western media, away from Western journalists, and they do their, their hideous acts under a cover of darkness and as much obscurity as they can possibly muster. But this hydrogel nanotech vaccine is designed to get into our DNA. It's designed to hijack human DNA. And this, ladies and gents, you won't be able to get this out of you once it's in you. If it takes, if it works and it's in you, you won't be able to get it out. So they're hijacking nature. And according to Celeste Solem, modified plants, including produce, are now being sold in the market. They're being released in the US, at least, with the conductive hydrogel in them. They don't contain labels there are no warnings there's no hey this has this bizarre nano hydrogel technology in it they don't tell you all these major chains these major outlets where people go to buy their food their mass-produced food that's where they're going to be buying this modified stuff so what we need to really start doing is start growing our own food set up community food gardens become self-sufficient and obviously a, a whole lot more than that because Where the technocrats are wanting to take this, they want to take to a point, the the control grid, the digital control grid, they want to take to a point where we can't opt out. And even growing our own food, they want to make that as challenging as possible. They want to control the whole food chain. And that's not my opinion. That's actually, that was explicitly stated by a Monsanto spokesperson a few years back who said that they wanted to control the whole food chain. That was their goal, that Monsanto's goal is to control the entire food chain. Now, if that isn't megalomania, like insane megalomania at its most fever pitch, I don't know what is. If you can find something more batshit crazy than that, please do show me. Anyway, so these are some humble steps we can start taking. This is where it's going to go, ladies and gents, if we don't start to take a stand and really do something about this. Um, And it's more than waving placards in the street. We're going to really, we really have to band together. We really have to wake up and start looking at all the things that make us really uncomfortable about civilization about our rulers about politics and what's really going on this is a rundown this is a very surface level rundown but i want to give you an, a little bit of an insight here into where these people are taking it based on the evidence based on public domain information based on what the whistleblowers and insiders have been telling us for decades firstly we're going to have a cashless society there's going to be a mass population cull. that's i'm just telling you what they want to create here i'm not saying I, i'm not saying it's set in stone i'm not saying i support it i'm not saying i like it this is just what they are intending to create they are creating the end of natural or organic food everything will be modified they are going to have everyone tagged and shipped and monitored 24 7 24 hours a day you will not be able to turn it off you will not be able to escape the dragnet they will have a communist style social credit system like they've got in china except it will probably be, will probably be worse they will have dissidents and refusers cut off from the economy and so you won't ultimately you won't be able to buy anything unless you accept the market beast so to speak no jab or tracker, no job, no fly, no interstate travel, no dig- digital currency. You'll be cut off from society, you better go anywhere, you won't be able to get any car or drive. This is going to get to the point, ladies and gents, where they will know if you walk out your front door and if they don't want you to walk out your front door, then they will have this information fed back into the system. You might receive a visit in the middle of the night, you might be taken away in the middle of the night, who knows? I mean, we've already seen in Australia police kicking down people's doors we've seen police coming in the night to harass and intimidate them just for encouraging people to go on protest so if you think that's bad (laughs) wait until you see the vision of what the technocrats actually hold for us what they actually want to create here what we've seen so far is nothing compared to what they're engineering if we let them So the cops need to wake up, the medical system, the doctors and nurses need to wake up, everybody involved, all the order order followers who are part of the hierarchical structures that are rolling this out, they all need to start waking the hell up and saying no. The word no is the most valuable, most important word in the human dictionary right now, no. So dissidents are going to be cut out of society, you'll be a social pariah, you'll be forced to scrounge for scraps in the bin, you'll be begging in the streets, eventually i'm not saying it's going to happen next week it is going to be in this direction if we don't stop it though one way or another we're going to have the technology it already exists if you're not aware already exists this is not just something that they're working on mind control technology is old it's at least goes back to the 70s and they've refined and honed this technology so we're going to see with the the nanotech the microchips and particularly the nanotech that gets insinuated into our dna remote electronic mind control via the wi-fi network they'll be able to F- false memories emotions trigger emotions in us completely manipulate our sense of reality via the cloud and we won't know is this thought mine is this feeling mine is this memory mine this is what's going to happen to us if we allow ourselves to become these human cyborgs that they that the technocrats the globalists want us to become we're going to have thought crime think the wrong thing boom, maybe you'll get an electric shock, maybe you'll be knocked out, maybe you'll have your heart stopped, who knows. Thought crime is is where this is going. Pre-crime, we're already seeing an, a low-tech version of pre-crime, as I, I've alluded to this with the stuff that's been happening in Australia, particularly in Victoria, with police harassing and intimidating people in in the middle of the night for encouraging people to to stand up and protest and against the tyranny. So pre-crime is going to be absolutely on their agenda. They'll be monitoring your your thought patterns. They'll be monitoring every single thing about you that can possibly be monitored and quantified. And it's it's going to be like Minority Report if we let it. Technocratic control by the UN, the WHO, and ultimately run by the AI supercomputers. And we're going to have more fake pandemics. They'll probably keep manufacturing this. They'll manufacture a second wave, a fake third wave, a fake fourth wave. They'll come up with some new fake virus to terrorise us into accepting further impositions, further elimination of our most basic rights and freedoms. And, folks, if you're not already aware, if you're not paying attention, there aren't many left. There aren't many freedoms that are actually left at this point. We really have fallen a long way, and we need to wake the hell up and start doing something about it. We can turn the tide. We haven't lost yet. We haven't lost yet, but we have to start taking massive, unified, organised action And please get this in front of people who need to know it, who don't fully get what's going on, where this is heading. It's crucial that they get their hands on this information. Perspective here is everything. It's not just about... COVID, it's not just about COVID-1984, it's not just about dismantling the virus theory, the germ theory, it's not just about, oh, how many people have died or haven't died, or the fact that the PCR tests are bogus, the fact that the serology tests are bogus, that none of the results actually mean a damn thing. It's a bigger picture than this. This is just the trigger. This is like 911 was triggered. This is 911 on steroids to bring in the technocratic control grid, the digital control grid that no one will ultimately be able to opt out of or do anything with unless they are willing to receive the mark of the beast so please get this out share it around keep in touch with me truthverse.com is where my podcast episodes are again check out allison mcdowell's episode i really strongly recommend that episode 15 we have truth network a censorship free platform for people who are sick and tired of places like fedbook a really good community building um tool and platform actually much better than some of the other alternatives out there and a very intimate little space strictly inhabited by truth truthers truth seekers and truth speakers also if you want to follow me and keep in touch on the socials because i've experienced censorship on at least four different platforms now including youtube please do follow me brendan d murphy official and uh, thank you for your support thank you for caring thank you for making an effort thank you for getting this out there and taking a stand for humanity while we still can while it's still legal to think please do i'm brendan d murphy thank you for watching see you next time